Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. This is your host, Dalton Dismore, and this is The Faith Prospect. It is a great day, and I hope you're having a good day. And if you're not, decide and make up in your mind right now, I am going to live this day, this life to the best of my ability, and I'm going to have a great day because we have a God who cares about us. And if you don't believe that, God answered a prayer of mine today, one that I've been praying for a while. And if you've never had a prayer answered by God, you should start because the feeling you get, it never changes. You know, from the first time to this time, it's, it's the same feeling, if not stronger. And it shows you how, how much he cares that, that he listens to your, to your requests, to your pleas, and then he responds to them. It's, it's really a faith builder and it shows that, that what you're reading in the word of God, they're not just words on a page hearing and reading the word of God. It's, it's, it's vital because it brings knowledge of the truth of the gospel, but hearing is vain. Reading is vain unless it leads to faith because that's the means by which God, which alone God's blessings can be received if you don't have faith in the words, they're just words. If you don't have faith in the ability of God, he's not going to move. He may move because of someone else's faith, but not because of yours. And ah, what a shame that would be because the Holy Spirit upon you, the Holy Spirit in you, you moving in the spirit, you, you showing the, the, the gifts of the spirit and the fruits of the spirit. That's a seal to everyone else of what you believe. You know, in Ephesians, it says that in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Yes, the, that's the initial and filling of the spirit, but I think it's, it goes beyond that. You see, the continued work of the Spirit continually shows an ex- as an example, not only of legitimacy, but it, it builds faith in other people of what God can do. And there's no one else that shows that to me more on a regular basis than our guest here today. She is continually used in the gifts of the spirit. She is continually showing the fruits of the spirit. And it's nothing on her other than her obedience, her relationship with God. When I first came to Dallas First Church, and I say came loosely because my parents brought me when I was a baby. And, you know, we've been going on and off for my entire life, but it's always been home. And throughout that time, Sister Tovar, our guest today, she's always been there. 
least as far as I can remember. And she has always been consistent in her relationship with God. And so without further ado, let's get into the interview with Sister Darla Tovar from Dallas First Church. We are here today with Sister Darla Tovar. She is someone I've known pretty much my entire life, grew up in church with her, and she's an amazing woman of God that is used mightily in prayer and a lot of other areas. So welcome, Sister Tovar. Thank you. It's good to be here. And I understand it right. Today is your birthday? It is. Well, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you Thank you. Thank you for joining us on your day of birth. This is, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, when I asked her, I didn't realize it was her birthday and I felt terrible, but. No, it's, it's good. It's all good. But she was gracious to join us today. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this. So, um, well, first things first, you know, uh, I want to know your favorite book of the Bible. Probably Psalms. Psalms? Yeah. Why is that? Just because of the encouragement and the um, so many of David's songs that he wrote in his various trials and difficulties and his triumphs, he recorded it and reflected it in song. And I can at times literally hear him sitting on the mountainside, strumming his harp, singing those songs in the Jewish language and and. Um, and I, it just, I, it's one of my, fa- it's one of my go-tos is Psalms. And the Lord has given me many promises specific out of that book. So. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. What promises? What do you mean? Um, well, one of my favorite chap or my favorite chapter in the Bible is Psalm 27. Uh, I had a very difficult and dark moment in my life. Um, I w- had to be put in the hospital because of a disease I've had since I was 15 years old, rheumatoid arthritis. And. I was so frightened. Um, I had never been in the hospital except to give birth to my sons, and I was there alone. My family had gone home, and I could not sleep. I was just terrified of being there and what was happening to my body. And I had my Bible with me, and the Lord literally led me to Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And ever since then... And that's been over 40 years ago. That is my psalm. I find more comfort and peace and encouragement and strength in that psalm than any other thing that I read in the Bible. Wow. Wow. But when I read it that night, I went to sleep. All my fear was gone, and I, because I knew the Lord was with me. That's amazing. Yeah. So, what is rheumatoid arthritis? It's actually the body actually attacks itself. If I could just, that's the summary of it. It, it, um, It's like your body turns on your joints, Mm -hmm. your bones, um, and they begin to deteriorate. It attacks the cartilage, which is the cushion between the joints, and that deteriorates. um, And then, of course, it's a lot of excruciating pain that is most, you know, that is very debilitating. And I'm actually, that's, one of the greatest miracles in my life because when I was 15 and I was stricken with this, the doctor told my mother that I, within two years, I'd be in a wheelchair for life. Really? Mm-hmm. And how old are you now? I'm 64 today. You in a wheelchair? I'm not. Wow. 
I garden, I clean my house, I cook my own food, our own food, and my doctor, he's just, he's just amazed. I've been going to the same rheumatologist for many years, and he just, he, he just doesn't know what to think. You know, he says that I should not be where I am right now, you know, to have been this long, um, but it's, it's, it's all the Lord. I went through a really, another really dark time in life, and I was questioning, questioning the Lord about a lot of things, and my healing was one of them. Yeah. And um, he told me, he says, as you praise me, I'll heal you. Wow. And since that day, I have not asked him to heal me. I've, I thank him for healing me, and I have praised him, and beyond the shadow of a doubt, that's why I can still walk around and I'm independent. I don't need canes and walkers and people waiting on me hand and foot. I give all the glory to the Lord. It's because my case is not the norm for this disease. You see people where their hands are completely deformed into their body, where they can't even straighten out their legs to walk. And there are some things that I can't do um, now, but they're not permanent. They're temporary. One day I will play the piano again. Come on. And so that's that's my statement of faith. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it too. The Lord's promised me and I believe it. <laughs> so very literally your praise is what sustains you. Absolutely. He that's said as you crazy. that were the exact words as you praise me, I will heal you. That's so cool. Because before then, up until then, I just wail and cry and you know, please heal me. What have you know, and of course you get into this shame loop of what have I done wrong? You know, I'm repenting for things I don't even know that I, I make up <laughs> things to repent thinking that, there's, that, there's, that I need to repent. That's why I'm not healed. And, and he, um, he started it out by just, he, I felt a hand on my shoulder. I was literally prostrate on the floor, crying my eyes out because, um, I had had to have a surgery on my, for six months, I crawled on my hands and knees and I had my daughter, Laura was 10 months old because I, the pain was so horrific in my left foot because the cartilage was all gone in the, the joint on top. So where you bend your foot, it was just horrendous pain that would take my breath. So I would just crawl on my hands and knees till uh-huh. about noon till I could stay before I could put any weight on my foot. And I had done this for about six or seven months with a 10 year old, with a 10 month old and uh, a 10 year old son. And uh, because I was believing for healing. Mm-hmm. Laura, you're going to heal me. You're going to heal me. You're, and I was a pastor's wife at the time, and I thought that for me to have to have surgery was a show of that I didn't have faith in God, that I had no faith. And so I had to have the surgery because it came down to the point where I just literally couldn't take care of my family. Yeah. And um, so when I got back home from the hospital and had a cast from the tip of my toes up above my knee and... um they laid me on the bed and and a woman that we had had gotten to live with us to take care of Laura, they were all downstairs. I was upstairs and I just rolled off of the bed onto the floor and I was just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing, again, repenting for what I didn't know, but I just felt like, you know, either there was something wrong with me or God would have healed me. And um, I don't know how long I cried when I felt his hand on my shoulder. And first of all, he said, peace, child, peace. When I when he spoke those words, immediately I stopped crying. It was just like I could take a breath. And he said, as you praise me, I'll heal you. And from that moment on, 
um, I knew what my answer was. For whatever reason, God has allowed me to walk through this valley and for this to be in my life. Um, and it's not because I've done something wrong or have not believed or not or don't have faith. It's for his purpose and his glory, you know, and I may never understand it. I believe that I will last year in our in January when we were doing our 21 days of prayer. One night I was in this little alcove over here praying and I just began to say, I believe to see the manifestation of your glory in my body. I believe to see the manifestation of your glory in my body. That just started coming out of me. And I believe, Dalton, that God is going to 100% heal me. I believe it, and I thank him for it every day. But whether it is in this life or the life to come, I'm going to praise him. That's so amazing. That's all I got. That's all any of us have. That's, you know, that's just his word. You just go on his word. Whatever he says, you keep going on it. So you you, you mentioned that uh, that God that God spoke words to you. Yeah, you know, I've, you know, growing up, I hear, I hear preachers say that all the time and, you know, I've had my experiences, but how, how does God talk to you? Do you hear an audible voice or? No, I don't. I, I I've never heard an audible voice. Mm-hmm. I, it's just, I use the word impression. I don't really know how to explain it, but I just, scripture says my sheep know my voice. You just know when he talks to you. Yeah. When you, when you have a relationship with him, you're, you're like, Okay, that's not me. Mm-hmm. That's that's my father. And speaking of that, um, one of the greatest miracles in my life, I was two years old, and or maybe almost three, but I was with my grandparents. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents when I was very little. And um, we lived in an old farmhouse in Goodnight, Texas. Good night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, out on the plains, and my grandfather was a rancher, and he was out of the house. And my grandmother, uh, I came from the family that made three home-cooked meals every day, and it wasn't continental breakfast either. It was homemade <laughs> biscuits, gravy, oh. eggs, bacon, the whole nine yards, and everything was from scratch. You're everything making me hungry. Yes, everything was homemade. And... um like I said, it was an old farmhouse, and my grandmother had put me in the bathtub to take a bath, and it was an old claw bathtub, and the pipes were exposed in the corner, the mm-hmm. copper pipes where the water came into the bathroom. And my grandmother was right around the corner in the kitchen, and she had her hands in bread dough. She was making biscuits for breakfast. Wow. And there was a little thunderstorm out on the, on the plains, but she didn't think anything about it. I mean, it's West Texas, you know. Storms are more prevalent than they're not. But the Lord spoke to her and said, get Darla Kay out of the bathtub now. And she didn't stop to wash her hands, take the dough off, wipe her hands. She just jerked her hands out of the bread dough and ran and grabbed me out of the tub. And just as my feet cleared the water, lightning struck those pipes in the corner, came down the pipes and across the bathtub. And the water was just dancing and boiling with the, with the lightning. If she would not have obeyed the voice of God, it would have killed me. Wow. And that's that's the beginning of miracles in my life. And that's and so my grandmother um her sensitivity to God literally spared my life because she didn't question. She knew his voice. So her obedience to God saved your life. Mhm. That's amazing. Yeah. To think that, you know, cuz people don't often think that. You know, they don't they don't All think right. in those terms that yeah. 
you know, they, they're selfish, you know, I'm selfish, you know, I, I, I don't ever think in the, in these terms that my obedience to God could save somebody else's life. It's not, not always about mine. Our obedience can spare a generation. Wow. It's not just, it ain't just about you, boo. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just about us. We got to get our eyes off the fact that it's just me. Cause it's not, we're part of a body. Yeah. Man. And she, her prayers stood in the gap for other people that weren't even part of our natural family, just in the family of God. You know, many times I've, I've seen that. And, and it, I, so I grew up with, with that being cognizant of the fact that how much we are all connected mm-hmm. and how the Lord moves through his body to protect his body. And, and when we don't move, when we don't obey, when we don't submit that it's, it's not just how it's not just its effect on us. Yeah. So it's very sobering. It's a responsibility. It is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Man. So you talked about, um, your, your grandparents and, you know, from, from what it sounds like they had a relationship with God. No, my grandmother did. My Uh grandfather was not in the church yet. Okay. Uh, He, uh, he was one of the best men that you will ever meet that didn't have the Holy ghost. I mean, just, He's like Cornelius. <laughs> he paid his tithe. <laughs> he tithed to the church. Back in our day, we we would take groceries to the pastor. Funny, they called it a pounding. They were going to take the give the pastor a pounding. <laughs> People like nowadays, like what? What? You gonna beat on the pastor? No, we called it a pounding. Oh, and man. when when they would raise their cattle, when they would slaughter cattle or or hogs or vegetables out of the garden. What came out first went to the pastor. My grandfather was adamant, but he didn't. He was a very quiet man. My mother's a lot like her dad, mm-hmm. very quiet, um, doesn't want anybody noticing them, you know. So he, he would go to church. He was faithful. He was the first man to show up when they would have a work day. He, was, he worked hard, you know, on the building, loved the building, would defend um, the Pentecostal faith to his family, who were all Methodist. Um, but he never had, he never got the Holy Ghost until he did not receive the, my grandmother prayed for him and we prayed for him over 50 years. Wow. And he received the Holy Ghost. He was 85 years old, looked like he was 60, was a workhorse. He worked very hard on the ranch and he was on a tractor one day when he was 84, 83 and had a stroke. Somehow managed to drive himself into town and we went to the hospital uh, from there, it's just a long story. They ended up having to amputate one of his legs, and um, we just kept praying for him, kept praying for him. And one morning at 5 a.m., they had, we were in Maryland at the time. We lived in Maryland, and our baptismal tank was a horse trough, and it was sitting on our back patio, and it was in February, so there was about three inches of ice on the horse trough, on the water, and they came to visit us, and about 5 o'clock one morning, someone knocked on my door, and it was my grandmother. And she said, uh, Darla Kay, Papa wants to be baptized. And I was like, and he was 85 at the time. 85 years old. So we baptized this man who had just had an amputation in weather that was in the teens, and we had to break the ice in the, on, the, on the horse trough to baptize him, to get oh. him into the water. And when he came up out of the water, he was speaking in tongues. We, we, put, we set him in my kitchen and wrapped him in blankets, and he started speaking in tongues. Oh, wow. So he got the Holy Ghost. So that's, that's something that I tell people who have prayed for somebody. My grandmother prayed for him over 50 years. 
Wow. So don't don't ever give up. As long as there's breath, there's hope. As long as there's life, there's hope. And um, so we, I asked him because I was very close to him. He actually called me his grandest daughter. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we asked him, you know, why, why did you wait so long? And he said, you know, after a while, I began to feel so guilty because of God's blessings on my life. And I had lived my whole life without giving him, without surrendering to him. I felt guilty because of how he had blessed me my whole life. And I felt like I was just giving him what was left in my older age. But I'm just thankful that he did. I mean, in later years, he and my grandmother would be, had to go to a nursing home and they went together. And so they would be in their room. And many times we would walk in to see them and they would be praying or worshiping. And my grandfather Pretty much his right side was, because uh, he kept having strokes, was debilitated because of the stroke. But he would have his left fist in the air, and he'd be <laughs> shaking his fist like that, speaking in tongues. And I'm telling you, that was just, he was my hero. My grand, my papa was my everything. He sounds um, like an amazing man. He was. He was He was an amazing man. He loved God. He loved his family. He, step, he stood in for my dad. You know, he, he yeah. took the place of my dad in my life. So he was my dad and my grandfather wrapped all in one. Wow. And, um, but it would, it took a lot of prayer and a lot of faith, you know, for him to be saved. Yeah. And, but I just, I think, I think about him Cornelius because he was a good man. Mm-hmm. He gave many alms to the people, but. Man. So he, he, he had a stroke and then drove himself mm-hmm. to the hospital. Cause he was out in the middle of nowhere in the, in a pasture plowing. That <laughs> I come I, from strong stock. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if, it, if that, that would even happen today. Yeah. You know, we've already, you know, you've already talked about stuff that kind of, it's kind of telling of how culture shifted because, you know, oh, absolutely. He, here's a man that wasn't even in church, but he still paid tithes. Mm-hmm. You can't even get people in church today to pay tithes. Yep. That's amazing. Now I do have to ask one thing. Cause it's, it's something, you know, sorry people that something funny comes into my head. I gotta, I gotta okay. talk about it. So when you pulled him out of the horse trough in in the teens and he was in the living room, you sure he wasn't just cold? <laughs> we were all cold. We were all speaking in tongues. <laughs> it was cold. I'm telling you, it was really cold, but I made coffee. We all warmed up pretty quick. Okay. 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 So yeah, I promise it was tongues. We sat there long enough till he warmed up. We made sure it was actually tongues. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's such a, that's such a cool cool story about how he came to God. So, um, so you, you know, your family, they, you have roots in, in, in Pentecost. I do. Like I said, I spent a lot of time with my grandmother Mm -hmm. and my grandfather. Um, my mom and dad, their marriage is, everybody knows was very tumultuous. Mm -hmm. And plus my mother had to work and she didn't want me to stay at a daycare. So my grandmother, we lived about I don't know, like 40 miles away. So I would just stay with my grandmother during, and my grandparents, and I keep saying my grandmother, but my grandparents during the week. And so my grandmother taught me how to pray. You know, we prayed every day. We prayed over everything. Pardon me. She prayed over keys that were lost. She prayed over lawnmowers that wouldn't work, and they started up. That lawnmower started, and it was still running when my grandfather gave it away to somebody years later. She prayed over dogs that had died and they came back to life. She prayed over wow. everything. My grandmother did not make a decision without praying. It doesn't matter if it was buying a car, 
buying a house every single and I'm the same way um, I, I just cannot make decisions without praying first and she raised me that way mm-hmm. we prayed over every single we didn't take a trip without praying God is this your will for us to go shut the door if it's not and um, she taught me how to pray and um, of course as a child I didn't really appreciate it I remember sitting many times on the floor like here we go again you know <laughs> <laughs> because she would be because my grandmother when she prayed it was no just thank you father you're so good no She's the old time. She was travailing and interceding and the wow. pain in the walls was curling down. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, here we go again, you know, as a child. But that's that's my roots. You know, and my mother was actually backslidden when I was a child. Really? Mm-hmm. And she was away from God for many years. And um, the story that she tells is that when she would pick me up from my grandmother's, um, I had a little kitchen set and my had a, um, a cook stove. My pastor's wife played an accordion. So I would use that cook stove for an accordion. Okay. And I would go in the back bedroom. And I was about three, not even four years old. I would go in the back bedroom and I would use this cook stove for an accordion. And I would play and sing and pray. And my mother would be in the front room with her hands over her ears because she said there was so much conviction that she couldn't listen to it. Wow. So the only way that she could get through it was to put her hands over her ears where she couldn't hear me. Wow. But she, she says, you know, because of her, my prayers and what she heard coming from me as a child is what brought her back to the Lord. And that's so cool. She came back to church and hasn't, hasn't looked back since. And it wasn't very long after that. My dad, you know, she gave her an ultimatum. It was either their lifestyle or the church. And of course she chose to walk with God and he left and, it's just been us ever. It's been the two of us ever since that day. She wasn't even thirty when my dad left, but she never dated. She had one, one love, and that was God, that was the Lord. Yeah, we ate, slept, breathed church, and it wasn't extracurricular stuff like we have nowadays. There were no events. It was yeah. just I don't even know what the grassroots church. Mm-hmm. It was, and when we had revival, you know, pastors even talked about it. It was no. Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing. Our pastor's um, brother was an incredible evangelist, and he would come. It was nothing for him to preach us a six, eight-week revival every single night. That's unheard of today. Every Now, we might take off a Monday night if people started getting tired. Yeah. But every single night. Wow. And everybody that was part of that church came every single night. That's amazing. That's just, that was, that was true. And pastor is part of that same generation. That's, that's, that's how we did things back then. Yeah. You know, and uh, our camp meeting was um, the campgrounds in Amarillo, campgrounds in Amarillo, Texas. Mm-hmm. We lived about 90 miles away in Memphis, Texas. And uh, my mother would work all day, come home after work, change clothes. We'd get in the car, drive 90 miles to church, drive 90 miles home. We did that five nights a Five nights a week, 180 miles round trip. Man. Never thought of a thing about it. It's just what you did. We Man. had one, one focus, one love, one goal, and it was the Lord. It was church. Whatever, whatever was ministry. My mother was served in several capacities in our local church. Um, I started in ministry when I was 11 years old, and I've never been out of it. 53 years. I became church pianist when I was 11. It was just my pastor and me. He played the guitar. I played the piano. Yeah. And um, 
I don't know any other life. Wow. I, I don't understand people that can put their hands on the plow. And, and I'm not, please don't think that I'm building us up or mm-hmm. it, this is no pat on our back. It's just a determination that we were, that was birthed in us mm-hmm. that no matter, there's never, there's never any looking back. Mm-hmm. That's not even an option. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what comes. I don't care who is removed from my life, what is removed from my life. Leaving the church, leaving the Lord, turning my back on him is not even, that never even enters my mind. You know, you go through hard times. Um, you just keep walking. One day you'll walk out of it. Yeah. You just have to have your mind made up. And that's... Uh, you, you come from a cool family. I do. You know, cool they're family. not pedigreed as far as nobody would know their name, but I'm telling you what they gave me and the legacy that I have, uh, the consistency, the priorities in their life. You know, my grandmother instilled in me such an incredible, something that I'm thankful for is the love and respect for the pastor. I mean, you did not speak against a man of God in my grandmother's home. Mm-hmm. I'm a lot like my grandmother. She's very outspoken. <laughs> and she had no problem telling you, uh-uh, not here. Yeah. You don't say that here. Yeah. And she she distanced herself from people who criticized and gossiped. And and she put that in me. Yeah. And I, I'm so thankful because you can't be saved without the preacher. That's the word. Mm. And you got to have that love and respect. He's not infallible he's not a god but he is god's voice yeah and pastor i've had many pastors in my life um but pastor foster has i know god brought me here beyond the shadow of a doubt to this church for healing um this church has given me more than i could ever give to it Uh, people don't know where i was mentally emotionally spiritually when I came here 25 years ago, I'm, I was at the very bottom. I didn't even want to live anymore. I didn't care if I lived. But through things that had happened in my family, in my life, but Pastor and Sister Foster just, I don't know, just without questions asked, without anything, you know, just started building me, building my confidence and, and believe that you know it's not over you still have ministry left in you so let's if you don't mind let's let's talk about that what what was it like when you came here what where were you at um i don't even know how to describe it dalton it was the darkest everything in my life had turned inside out and upside down in maryland um and because i don't want to cause my children or my family any uh, angst or hurt mm-hmm. there's I can't I won't divulge a lot of things that's fine but it was just I ended up a single a single parent yeah um, there were a lot of um, there were a lot of there was a lot of abuse involved mm. um, pretty heavy stuff and uh, a lot of unrepented sin, you know, that was covered for many years. And when everything came out, it just, it was devastating and it destroyed everything. Um, I didn't think that, 
I, I, it's, it's difficult to describe how you can get to a place where you literally can't find or hear God when that's been your life, when you are so broken. And I'm sure that it, I'm sure that there was a lot of anger even towards God. Yeah. You know, because this happening after I had given my life, you know. And so it was just such a, I keep saying darkness. There was just, just a, I was completely alone. Uh, I had my daughter with me. My son was already married, but it was just Laura and I and literally had nothing. Um, I didn't have a job. I didn't have a vehicle. I didn't. The Lord dropped me off in Dallas. I knew one person. I had a cousin, but she's not in church that lives over and lived over in Mesquite. But I knew one person in Dallas. Man, uh, I I didn't have friends. I didn't. I had nothing. I had no place to live. But she opened her home or her apartment, and she she was a a lawyer, so she traveled a lot. She said, I'm not here a lot. She said, just come here and stay as long as you need to. And um, I did. I, I drove to Dallas. Uh, I drove a 17-foot rider truck from Maryland to Dallas by myself. Wow. Um, unloaded it by myself at her apartment on July the 7th. Uh, had a heat stroke because it was 107 degrees. I didn't <laughs> know at the time it was a heat stroke, but I know now what it was what was happening to oh, me. Oh, no. Uh, and it's just so alone. I have never felt so alone in my life that day as I was unloading that truck. I didn't know anybody to call to help me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just get it done. Yeah. I had a piano. Don't ask me how I got it out of that. I, you just, I just did it. <laughs> um, anyway, I got all that done and just sat in the apartment. I started trying to find a job, uh, but I didn't have a vehicle. And the woman I was staying in her apartment, she was friends with a girl that used that was at that time went to this church. Her name was Laura, Laura Williams. And so Laura said, uh, "I'll pick you up for church." Mm. I said, "Okay." And so that's how I came here, and I've never never been anywhere else. Um, it wasn't long after that that I, the Lord, uh, I, w- I went to actually went to live with my cousin for a while, and. And um, the Lord used my mother. My mother was was still living in Maryland at the time, but she was she was moving here soon. So she uh, spent five hundred dollars and bought me a little uh, Ford Fairlane. Okay. And I named it Nellie. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, Nellie! Oh, Nellie! <laughs> she was white with a red interior. <laughs> wow! So um, me and Nellie. Drove all then I went to um, we drove all over Dallas, but I went to a, a temp agency, and they said, "Well, we have a position." I had never had never worked outside of the home, mm-hmm. had never been anything but in ministry and a pastor's wife. I knew nothing about computers, nothing about Microsoft Word, Excel, nothing. PowerPoint was foreign languages to me. But she said, we have a job in, in customer service at Waste Management that you might like. So okay, I'll try it out. Well, long story short, it, the temp job turned into a permanent job. Um, I got promoted three times there. Um, and I was still working there when uh, Brother Tovar and I got married. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I finally saved up enough money and was going to get an apartment for Laura and I because my mother was going to move here. And um, I didn't have bad credit. I just had no credit because I had never <laughs> never had anything in my name. Yeah. And so um, I left my I left Laura with my cousin for the day, and the waste management where I worked was in Louisville. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'll look there for an apartment. So I went to one that I thought I could afford. Uh, it looked pretty scary, but <laughs> it looked. I thought the rent was something that I could handle. Yeah. And I parked in the parking lot, and I was like, okay, Lord, I need you to go before me. Give me favor. And I opened the door of my car, and the Lord said, this is not, no, close the door. This is not where I want you to live. Wow. I was like, okay, are you sure? So I had, the, I had my hand on the door to get out, and he <laughs> told me again, close the door. This is not where I want you to live. So I closed the door. I said, okay. Better listen. Where do I go from here? And so he told me, I started the car, turn left, I turn left, go to this traffic light, go right, and pull into an apartment. I said, Lord, there is no way I can afford this. It was brand new. It was a beautiful place. There's no way. They're not, I, just, just trust me. <laughs> so I parked the car, went inside, and there was this young man sitting behind the desk. How can I help you? So I told him my story. And... Um, I said, I'm going to tell you up front. I said, I don't have any rental history. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything in my name. I've never rented an apartment, never lived in an apartment. Um, and he said, well, he said, you know, unfortunately, he said, we have a year waiting list to get into this apartment complex. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, Lord, you kind of messed up on this one. He said, but, and I'm like, oh, here we go. He said, but this is my last week. And he said, what are they going to do, fire me? <laughs> so he put me and Laura at the top of the list. We moved in that weekend. What? And the rent was perfect. It was perfect. He accommodated, of course, they don't do that now, but he adjusted to where I could afford it. What? He worked with me to what I could afford. Yep. Laura and I moved in that weekend. That is so... And I'm telling you, that was the most peaceful. We didn't have a table. We didn't have chairs. We didn't have living room furniture. We had beds. And we had all of our personal items. We would sit on the floor and just laugh and talk. It was There was so much peace in that apartment. Yeah. Because God blessed us with it. God gave it to me. He, he just... That was the same way with the job. He gave me the job at Waste Management and he promoted me. He gave me that apartment. And we had such an incredible time there. Uh, just there was so much peace in that apartment. Uh, then my mom came to live with us. And um, and later on, uh, when poor Nellie had run her last mile, <laughs> I went to Huffines. And this is just the way I deal. I don't try to hide things at the because they're going to find out anyway. And I just told the, the sales rep, I said, you know what? I've never bought a new car. I've never paid a, never made a car payment. I don't have anything in my name. But this car, was use, it was using oil faster than I could put oil in. It was coming out the, the backside. And so he said, well, let's see what we can do. Wasn't very long till Laura and I drove away with a brand new car that only had like 47 miles on it. What? It was a Dodge Neon. It was black with gray leather interior, a beautiful car. And I tell you, I felt like I was. You were riding high. I was riding high. I'm telling you, I had never in my life driven, had a new car, 
My mom never had new cars. I I didn't know. And <laughs> Laura used to get so aggravated at me because every Saturday, mm-hmm. every single Saturday, rain, sleet, snow, shine, whatever, we went to the car wash. We washed that car. We waxed it. We cleaned out everything on the inside. And I kept telling her, when God blesses you with something, you take care of it. Mm. You take care of your blessing. Mm. And I'm telling you, Dalton, I ran the wheels off of that car and I gave it away to a man, to a woman that my husband worked with. And when I, when she got it from me, it had close to 200,000 miles on it because Laura drove it for his car to school after I got another car. Mm-hmm. And when Marilyn got it from us, she drove it till it almost had 300,000 miles on it when it finally said, you know, I'm done. Man. But that's God's blessing. Yeah. Wow. So that's that's been my experiences in life is the Lord, you know, the people just th- think that the the Lord only cares about how many days you fast and how many hours you pray and but he he is so into every detail of our lives if we would just include him. Mm. He you know we would we we suffer so many things and go through so many natural things that aren't unnecessary because we don't include it. It, it. You know, for example, I was a single mother. This is back when we had choir and here, and we did some special service or something, and the colors that they wanted the choir to have, to wear, I didn't have any of those colors to, to wear and couldn't afford to go, you know, whatever, to buy a, a new outfit. So I prayed. I said, Lord, I need something suitable because I was on the praise team, so I needed something that I could praise team and the choir. I needed a a nice outfit. And one day I woke up and the Lord spoke to me, impressed upon me to go to this thrift, to a thrift store. And I walked in this thrift store and there was a lady's suit, a Neiman Marcus suit in the exact color. The skirt was a long skirt, well below the knees, beautiful suit that I got for five bucks. (laughs) <laughs> and everybody commented on because it was so classy, so well-made. And it looked like, it didn't even look like it had been worn. God cares. He cares, Dalton. He cares every single detail of our life. And I could tell you, I could sit here all day long and tell you stories like that oh, in my man, life. That's that's what we're here for. But I, um, do, I do have one question. So um, taking this back a little bit, uh, you're, you said your grandmother, she she really taught you how to pray. What would you say is the the biggest lesson she taught you concerning prayer? Consistency. Consistency. So just keep just going. doing it, whether you feel it or you don't. Wow. You know, and it wasn't a matter of if in her day, it was when. Mm. You know, and she had a certain spot and she every single day and just my grandmother, and I think alongside the consistency was the fact that she talked to the Lord just like I'm talking to you. Mm. And that's how I was raised to pray, not in, oh, blessed Heavenly Father. You know, I, he knows me anyway. He knows my personality. <laughs> he knows what bothers me. Yeah. You know, I don't have to, people so many times shy away from prayer because they don't want God to know their true feelings. Well, duh. You know, he, he already knows if I'm angry. He knows if I'm disappointed. He knows if I'm upset. It's true. 
you know, you you can't you can't hide it from him. And when we're not real, when we try to project an image of something that we're not, so that he won't get mad at us, then you're not free in prayer, and you can't break through. But I'll just sit down and say, Lord, I don't understand this. You told me this, or your word says this. I just talk to him the way I just have a conversation. But it's not all about me talking. It's about shutting up so he can talk to me. Wow. Sometimes you just have to sit there quietly. And my grandmother would, you know, would, would, would sit quietly and listen and, and act upon. I mean, I was raised by a mother and a grandmother that, like so many old timers that you hear, said, Lord, said, get in the car, turn left, turn right, go here. And that, that's how we lived our lives. You know, it, we were literally led by the Spirit. And I, I really want to get back 100% to that. I do. You know, we've got so many things in life nowadays that, that distract us. And you know, back then we didn't have television. We didn't have all of the gadgets and gadgets and nothing. It was just church and work in that, in that, in that order. And, you know, and that, that's, all, that's all we wanted. Mm. We didn't want anything. You know, it was just... It was a different lifestyle. I know we can't go back. I don't want to. Not all the days were good. Yeah. People say the good old days. Well, some of those days weren't so good. I don't want to go back to them. Yeah. But there were a lot of things that I learned there that a lot of principles that have kept me through life Mm. that I think we need to get back to. Man. So um, talking about, you know, consistency and and it seems that... (laughs) Really just like the pattern of your family is just including God in the decisions. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And uh, every decision. It, and then my grandmother started it and my mother just fell right into it when she got back in church. You know, like I said, it was just she and I. Yeah. And if we needed a car, of course, my grandfather helped her a lot with picking out cars. But if it was an apartment or we were going to move somewhere, um, you know, Lord, is this your will? Are we going to be safe here? Is this where you want us? We prayed about every single thing. We move into an apartment. We get the oil out. We'd start anointing every door, every window, every access into that apartment. We'd pray out the spirits that were there before us from the people that lived there, um, because that's real. That's that stuff is real, and so that's 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 how I was raised. <laughs> so, what is the most and the most meaningful or impactful thing that that God has? has done for you? Mm, wow. The most. You know, it has to be something that <laughs> um, we lived in Maryland. My son was about six years old. I didn't have Laura at the time, but we drove a pickup um and my husband at the time was, uh, he installed, installed flooring. Yeah. So one day he went to work at a church about 40 miles from where we lived. And so then later on in the day, Brant and I drove over uh, to just visit with the pastor and his wife and see the work that was being done. And then I had to go back home to take, because Brant had, he had afternoon kindergarten. Well, you have to realize, this sounds really crazy, my fear at the time. I was born and raised in a town that wasn't even 2,000 people. Mm-hmm. Very small country town. We had one traffic light, <laughs> and most of the time it didn't work. 
So there was no traffic. You know, yeah. we had the old town, the old timey town square. Pardon me. Um, so we, where we moved and lived, there were twice as many people in our apartment complex as there was in the whole town where I was raised. So I was terrified. There was traffic and freeways and highways every direction. And when we left that church that day, I was so nervous. Now today I can drive anywhere. I don't care. Cause I learned how to, I, well, that's another story, but I learned how to <laughs> read maps in Washington, DC. Um, give me a map. I can go anywhere. But back then I was a terrified little country mouse. I didn't know North from South, East from West. And when we left that church, I got on the wrong freeway and we headed into downtown Baltimore through, uh, there's a tunnel that goes underneath the Baltimore Harbor. Mm. And once you get on that road, you can't get off. You have to go through that tunnel. Yeah. And I had an eighth of tank of gas. Our house was this direction. We were headed the, the very opposite direction from where we lived. Yeah. Had an eighth of tank of gas and a pickup truck. I had a dollar and 25 cents to my name in my wallet. That was before the days of debit and credit cards. I had no cell phone, no debit card, a dollar and 25 cents. And when I realized that I was going the wrong way and couldn't get off, I I thought I, you talk about it. I'm not one for panic attacks, but I was, there was my son sitting beside me, just chatting away. He had no idea what was going on. And inside I'm saying, Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Because I'm here, here we're coming up to this toll booth. And I saw that the price was 75 cents. Oh no. So I'm thinking, okay, so I'm a quarter short. So I had to go 75 cents to get through it and then go up and find a place to turn around and come back 75 cents the other way to try to get home. And um, I didn't know these people. I didn't know. And I look back now on my fear. I, it was, it's comical, but I didn't know what they would do to me. Well, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. So I go up to the, pull up to the booth and hand her my 75 cents. She, and I tell her my dilemma. She tells me what exit to turn around to come back. Well, when we start to get on the other side to come back, I thought, well, will they put me in jail if I don't have enough for the toll? God didn't have a checkbook on me. Um, I had no way to pay it. Yeah. And so we got close to the toll booth. There was a place that you could pull over to the side. And I told Brand, I said, I pulled over. I said, let's just pray. I said, mommy needs more money to get through the, the toll booth. Mm. And um, so he said, okay. So we prayed and I opened the door of the truck to go speak to someone in the building to let them know, hey, I only have 50 cents. The toll to 75, what do you want me to do? And Dalton, as I live and breathe, when I stood up, when my feet hit the pavement, a quarter fell by my foot. What? I don't know where it came from. Well, I do know where it came from. That is. I literally God. thought I had dropped a quarter out of my hand, and I opened my hand, and I still had the 50 cents. I reached down, picked up the quarter, put it with my other two quarters, paid the toll. We, the, the truck was on empty at, by this point. Yeah. We, it was 40, about 41, 42 miles from where we were to where we lived. I drove that truck. We prayed. Well, let me say, when the, when, when the quarter fell by my foot, I'll never forget the words of my son. He said, he did it. <laughs> he did it. This is Andrew's dad. 
Yeah. He did it. And um, so we paid the toll, and we were just rejoicing and laughing and praying. But we knew, at that point, I knew I was going to get home. I wasn't worried about the gas. Pulled up in our driveway, turned the truck off, went inside, got his books, went outside to crank the truck to take him to kindergarten, and it wouldn't start because it was completely empty of gas. But to me, that's one of the most significant things he's ever done because not only did he provide for me, but it proved my son. Yeah. Jesus cares. Wow. Jesus hears. Jesus listens. And he will provide. You may be walking, you may be stepping out of the truck to walk to what you think is your demise. There was that quarter. Man. And what's cool to me is that, you know, you said it in passing, but the, the faith that was built from that quarter falling you didn't even worry about the gas anymore. No. You just, At that point, I knew I was going to get home. That's... <sighs> After the quarter, I had no more fear, no more panic. And that did something. I was a young pastor's wife. Oh, my goodness. I wasn't even... Tw- was I 21 yet? I don't think I was 21. I may have been 21. But I re- I drew from that. I still draw from that, obviously, 40-something years later. Yeah. You know, if if in the in the scripture that talks about... How, if he cares for the lilies of the field, mm. if he cl- if he puts clothes on them and he arrays them in such incredible, beautiful garments, yeah. If he sees a sparrow that falls, the least of all birds, the sparrow. He didn't say the eagle that falls from its nest. The sparrow that falls from its nest. How much more? You know, and our eyes at times are so dim and so clouded. And the, and the enemy lies to us, and we don't even realize that we buy the lies of what, oh, God doesn't care about that. Mm. Oh, yes, he does. Oh, yes, he does. Mm. I feel like I tell myself that lie a lot. Yeah. And I don't even realize it. Yeah, and, and, you, and, and what we all do, because it's, it doesn't seem, it's not like it doesn't have anything to do with my salvation, you know? Yeah. But we, we do, we believe that, and, and it, it's a... It's a lie from hell, you know, because I'm telling you, he, he cares. Oh, how he cares. And he wants to be included in every little, every little thing. So before we go, what has God used you to do? What is, what is one or two things that, that you just, that just really stick out that, that God used your faith that he used to your prayer? to accomplish in someone else? Um, specifically, there was somebody in our church here and the man's sister had a brain tumor. Mm. And um, on, I, I could take you to the spot up there at the front at the altar. And I just felt so heavily inspired of God because I knew their prayer, their uh, prayer request and went over to them and we started talking and I anointed and prayed for his wife in proxy of his sister, and the Lord healed her. Wow. Healed that brain tumor. I mean, the doctors were just absolutely astounded. But I knew it's like, and in no way do I compare myself to what Jesus felt, but when it says that he felt virtue go out, I, I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt, you know, and it. And people get hung up on on that but it's really 
It's just, we're just a channel. Mm. We're just a conduit for his spirit to flow through. It shouldn't blow us away when God performs these miracles because it's absolutely nothing to do with me. I mean, here I am. I'm not healed myself. And Andrew and I, my grandson, talk about this a lot. You know, God has used him yeah. to pray for people that were instantly healed. And here he is at one point almost at death's door from kidney failure. Yeah. Um, and there's, and there was another lady here that was suffering horrible pain in her, in her hip and down her legs. And at one of the altar services, and I normally don't do this to people. I, I knew her very well, um, and knew that she would not mind. Well, I asked her first, but I said, um, it was actually sister Hillis. Oh, okay. And I said, sister, sister Julia, I said, I, I really feel that I need to put my hands on the sides of your hips and on your legs as I pray. And she said the minute I touched her, she felt fire from her starting her back and go down her legs. And then as far as I know, up until the day that she passed, she never had that pain again. Wow. And But I, I mean, it was just in a moment, it wasn't, I hadn't prayed more. I hadn't fasted more. I hadn't, it was just in that moment of my faith connecting in such a way that the Lord could use me to do that. So what would you say to people to people wanting that, you know, to connect their faith in that way? What's the biggest piece of advice you can give somebody? I think a lot of times we seek after the miracle and we don't seek after God. Wow. Cause when you get him, you get the miracle. Yeah. When you have that relationship with him, it's just like with my grandmother hearing the voice of God and immediately acting on it to mm. get me out of that water to save my life. When we ha- when you have that daily, and the Lord has used me in many times to give a word of, pro- of prophecy either to the church or to an individual mm-hmm. or speak a word of knowledge, and it just comes in an instant. And if you don't have that relationship, then you're not going to be ready. You're not going to be used in the moment because you have, it's like you, your relationship with God is like putting money in the bank. Mm. You can't draw on it when you need it if there's nothing in there. Yeah. And that's why daily prayer and the word is so important because that's, that's storing up. That's, that's putting your treasures where they need to be Mm. so that when God says, okay, he puts this person in front of you, and there have been many times, and I keep uh, Dallas First Church business cards in my purse, and many times in the grocery stores or in restaurants. Um, I know a couple months ago, back, back when COVID first started, and all the, and then when a lot of the the rioting and all rioting and all this stuff was going on, we went to a restaurant that had just opened up to allow people to sit inside, and there was this young. African-American man that was waiting, that was our waiter. And I just felt so impressed to pray over him. Mm. And I kept, I had my husband and my mother there. And Brother Tovar times is like, you know, what's she going to do next? Because <laughs> <laughs> people don't realize how quiet he is. Yeah. You know, you get him in a setting like that. He's pretty quiet. <laughs> and, um, and so at the end, I don't remember this, this young man's name, um, and I, I, I handed him a card. I said, I said, do you mind if I pray over you? And um, his answer kind of stunned me. He says, why do you want to pray over me? 
And I said, I don't know why. I said, I just feel like I need to pray for your safety and that God would protect you. He said, oh, okay. He said, I received that. So he bowed his head there at the table, mm. and we prayed. And I really felt the power of God. And, um, and again, you know, that's, that's nothing to do with me. It's just that relationship when the Lord says, okay, now's the time to pour out. Yeah. We're out of that cup, but you have to, it has to be a consistent daily walk with him. Man. And if you, um, I have found that, you know, seeking after the will of God, I used to drive myself crazy with what is the will of God? 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 But I finally, he finally taught me that living every single day and walking with him is his will, and then whatever is in his will for me, my purpose, my destiny, when you walk with God, you walk into it. You don't have to run him down <laughs> to find it. Yeah. If you walk with him, he's leading you into his purpose and his plan, his will for your life. So simple. It is simple, but we get so hung up on it, and we lose, or I do, I'm the type of person that, that would lose sleep over it. And I, I, when we were in Maryland recently, I was talking to my granddaughters and some of their friends, you know, these young women that um, they want that next level of, of, you know, what about my companion and what about this? And, what, and I understand, you know, I, I do. That's part of It's a normal part of life. And I will tell them the same thing, tell you the same thing that I told them. You walk with God. You walk into your destiny. You walk into your companion. You you don't have to run your companion down. Yeah. You pray, you live for God, you follow God, and you walk right into what he has planned for you. Yeah. And it's a lot. It removes all the frustration, all the angst and the doubt and the fear. It's going to happen. Yeah, hey, I receive that because... I've experienced those frustrations lately too. I understand. Too. Yeah. How old are you? Twenty-four. Yeah. Twenty-four. Yeah, I understand. So just, just every day. Which in in Pentecost feels like, like a ancient. <laughs> Forty-four. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is that Enoch walked with God. Yeah. And he was not, for God took him. Mm. You don't read about miracles that he performed. You don't read about people being raised from the dead under Enoch's ministry. He simply walked with God. That's the goal. And God took him. That was his that was God's purpose for him in life. And that's we used to sing an old song when I was raised in the church. You gotta keep walking, keep walking, walking in the light of the Lord. And that it's it's boils down to being that simple. Just keep walking and you will find your path. So Basically, to sum up this entire interview, walk with God consistently and include him in the decisions. Yes, every single thing. And thank you so much for joining us And don't us date today. anybody you don't want to marry. Because <laughs> <laughs> that happens more often than you think. Oh, believe me. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> <laughs> believe me. I, I learned that proxy through other people. Yes. I saw them dating other dating people that they knew they weren't going to marry. And I was Just like, for the sake that, of dating. That yeah. never worked out. So no. I was like, you nope, know, nope, I nope, can nope. do that. 
I'm not going to do that. But Thank you for today. I've enjoyed it a lot. I have too. And I learned a lot more. I didn't, I, there's a lot of stories I did not know. And I'm, I'm glad we sat down and did this. Thank you. I'm going to have to have you back on because I know that you, you said it. And I feel like there's a lot more stories that you oh, have. There's a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll do this again sometime. But thank um, you. Thank you for coming out, Sister Tovar. You have a wonderful birthday. Thank you, Dalton. Appreciate it. Love you.